Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Church, so full of trepidation when they heard we're going back to Acts. Uh, but it is great. It's great to be back in the book of Acts. If you're joining us for the first time, we've had two previous volumes in the book of Acts, and we're slowly discovering that preaching through the book of Acts is definitely a marathon. It's not a sprint, but we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. Family, it's good to be here this morning with you guys. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Reinhardt. I'm the pastor at Red Oar Church, and it's so good to be in and amongst family. Um, This morning's vibe was so enigmatic of what I want, not just Sundays to be, but actually this is a a window of what we want the rest of the week to be. People sharing lives together, people listening to one another's stories, and people actually caring for one another. And so we're so thankful and privileged for the work that God is already doing in our midst. Um, It's so good hearing the story of Connor this morning. It's interesting that he still thinks he's going back at the end of the year, but (laughs) God will change his heart uh, one way or another. Um, Thank you, Achi, for leading us in that worship this morning as well. That was phenomenal. Yeah, shout out to Achi. That was great. Thanks for Shane and Ashley. Handling the sound at the back, you guys are amazing on the sound desk. You guys are really doing it. Um, family, let's, get, let's pray again, just for our hearts as we dig into this long piece. It's sometimes, especially a New Testament narrative, you've got these long stories, and there's a lot of gold within them, but it's difficult to tie it all together. But um, we're going to take a little bit of a step back and see what God wants to teach us through this miraculous story that Paul and Barnabas was doing in Acts 14. So let's pray. Father God, we definitely need your help this morning. Even in the change of seasons, as things are getting colder and um, it's a little bit more difficult to get out of bed in the morning, um, we're thankful that we have a space where we can gather where it's warm inside. We're thankful for good coffee and good conversations and even tea. Um, And so this morning, Lord, we pray for your word, which is perfect, which is from you which gives the words of life. That this word would not just be heard by our ears, but that it would really penetrate our hearts. We pray that Sundays wouldn't be the highlight of the week, but that it would be the starting block. That this would send us on our way. That we would live for you, love you, love one another, and love the world. We can only do this through the work of your Holy Spirit. And so do this work now for your name. Your glory. Amen. I don't know if I'm allowed to start with a alcohol illustration, but I'm going to in any case. You guys can talk to me others after church and rebuke me. But it's, a, it's more about the slogan. And so many of you have heard of the whiskey called Johnny Walker. It's actually pretty old whiskey. I think it was started in 1908 already. But in the year of 99, they started an ad campaign to obviously sell more whiskey and to make this a global brand. And so they came up with two words that became a global campaign and lasted until now. The campaign's still going. And the slogan for Johnny Walker became, keep walking. 
It sounds so simple, but it's phenomenal in how it actually suits the brand. And what this slogan actually refers to is to progress being made, being going forward in your, in your life, reaching goals. And so it gives this picture of what people actually want to do in their life. They do want to move forward. They do want to accomplish their goals. They do want to keep walking towards their goals. And so this is pretty good. And that's why this slogan has been so successful. And that's why they still have this slogan. And this is probably true of all of us in our life. We all want to progress. We all want to move towards something. It would be interesting if we could share some of those goals this morning. What, is, what are some of your relational, personal, vocational, professional goals that you have? Maybe you've got some things that you want to accomplish within the next year or the next five years or something that you want to reach within your job or vocation. And you want to make progression within that. And that's very true, and it should be that way. This is how human beings were designed. We were designed to actually keep moving forward, to keep going outward, to keep expanding and become better and make progress. But what would be interesting is if we tell one another that we should keep walking, we should also ask one another the question, what if today was your last step? What if today was the last step that you took in your journey? How content would you be in already what you've reached? You see, family, the, the problem is if our goals are always far away and always on the horizon and we're always moving towards something, then it's difficult to make sense of our surroundings of what we're doing right now. We do want to live in such a way that even though we do have big goals that we're working towards, we do want to make every day count as well. In a sense, we want to make sure that every step that we take towards a larger goal is also an accomplishment of smaller goals within our life. We want our life to be characteristic of the things that we're actually moving towards. And this is also true of the Christian life and the Christian race. <coughs> the Christian worldview holds that we are all actually also walking towards a goal, that we're all moving towards something. But we are moving towards it and we're running this race in such a way that if indeed today was our last step, that we can look at one another and say that we've still accomplished something. Even though we may, might not have gotten the big goals that we wanted to accomplish, if you run the Christian race in a specific way, after each day, we can look back and say, well, we actually have accomplished something. We are breaking ground. And this is what the Bible refers to as the kingdom of God coming. We're all part of this coming of the kingdom of God, the spreading of the good news of Jesus. We are all heading to the great big goal of seeing Jesus finally enthroned on the place where he should be, every nation, every rule and authority in subjection to him. But as we're doing this, this happens in a daily progressive state. We still have our professional and personal goals. Those things still should matter. But at least what should happen is all of those things should be underneath or fall under the banner of the Lordship of Jesus. As we've been called by the Great Commission, as Jason or as Ahi or Pinky read for us in the beginning. And today, once again, we will specifically see how that is in action. The thing that we've got to ask one another as Christians is how are we making our lives count? 
How are we making sure that every step we take in our Christian lives accomplishes something, or are we only working for the big goals? When is Red Door Church actually becoming fruitful and successful? Is it only once we reach 100 members, or when we're starting to change communities or the campus or the city? Is it only when we've really done something meaningful in Mamalodi? or in the hurt, or in the inner city? When are we becoming or doing something that we believe that we call to? Are only moving towards a goal, or are we already having an impact right now? This is an important question. Because one, it does change the focus of where we're heading, but also it asks the question of what are we doing this week? What are we going to do Monday morning that we wake up that we feel like we've already taken a step, a meaningful step that if that were to be our last step, we would be content with what we've reached? Family, a great person to look at is the Apostle Paul. He did nothing half-heartedly. He did everything 100%. He had a big goal that he was working towards, but he did it in such a way that every step that he took towards that goal also counted for something. And so we are going to have a look at him today and specifically how we can apply some of the principles that he lived by in all of our own lives. And so just a little bit of context. We're in volume three of the book of Acts. Maybe you're joining us for the first time or you missed the first two volumes, maybe a quick recap, and then you're going to know what Acts is all about. Um, Acts of the Apostles is all about Jesus commissioning his disciples and giving them this great big commission that we read in the beginning. Go to the ends of the earth, witness about the truth and life of the gospel, and make people my disciples. That is the command that he gave them. And we see that they took this to heart, but they were also empowered by the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And suddenly we see this explosion of the church happening. They became witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It started in Jerusalem as they were testifying and witnessing about the things that they saw and heard. Mightily, we see the church and the New Testament being born. Many people came to faith. Even though there was a lot of resistance from the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, we see that the church was growing. And suddenly, it just wasn't the small group of people believing Christ, but the church became a movement. And the movement spread outside of Jerusalem. It spread to the neighboring region, the Jewish region of Judea. And still it was contained within Jewish borders. But we see that the message of the gospel couldn't be contained. And suddenly it broke through to the mixed race region of Samaria. For the first time, it seemed like non-Jews were allowed to also enter the kingdom of God. But it was unsure because it was a mixed race group. Some of them were at Jewish heritage. And then later in the book, we see that the gospel expanded even further beyond those borders, going north upwards to non-Jewish, Gentile territory. And we saw how non-Jews, non-believers came to Christ. We saw how the gospel broke through race and culture and language to draw more people into the kingdom of God, finally giving picture of what God wanted from the beginning. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue under the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. 
It's in this process that we see a side story happening in the book of Acts. We see this guy, Paul, who was, or Saul, who was persecuting the church. We saw him come to faith, and God commissioned him. Jesus appeared to him, and he also became an apostle of Christ. The word apostle means saint. And so Jesus also became part of these saint ones, going further out and bringing the word of Christ to others. As this word spread, it reached this metropolitan city of Antioch and the northern regions of Syria, north of Jerusalem. And we saw that many of the people there came to faith. It was actually Jews that fled persecution, that were going out, seeking new places to actually live and make life. And as they went about, they shared this message of the gospel. They couldn't keep it to themselves. And suddenly, in the city of Antioch, this great city, we saw a multicultural church being born, a multilingual church being born, many people coming to faith, so much so that the leaders in Jerusalem said, hey, we need to go check out what's happening in Antioch. And so they sent two of their best guys. They said, Barnabas, who was mentoring Saul at that time, or Paul at that time, you and Paul, you guys go and check out what's happening in Antioch. And so they go. And when they arrived at the city of Antioch, they were amazed at the work of the Spirit. God was working mightily in their midst. These people believed the word of the gospel. They were applying it in their lives. They were loving their neighbors, and the church was growing. And this is almost where we ended off previously. As the church was growing, the elders of the church in Antioch came together and said, You know what? We can't keep this for ourselves. This is too good a message. We need to send people out. We're but the tip of the iceberg. The rest of the known world across the Aegean hasn't heard this message of the gospel. We need to send out missionaries to go and spread this word. So who will we send? Well, again, they didn't choose their second-tier people to send, their second-tier missionaries. They actually sent their own leaders. They said, Paul and Barnabas, you guys go. It's, it's amazing the kingdom-mindedness that this church had and not wanting to keep Paul and Barnabas for themselves. Imagine having apostles as the leaders of your church. I mean, that preaching must be fire every Sunday. And yet they said, let's send them. And that's where we ended off. This was the start, the great commissioning. They sent Paul and they sent Barnabas. They were praying for these guys and they sent them out. And this was the start of the great missionary journeys of Paul. Paul had three big missionary journeys, and today we're covering the last part of the first journey. We ended off last season or the previous volume where we saw the start of this missionary trip of Paul as he was being sent out. Let's look with me of the map on the screen, just uh, detailing a little bit. Where do I need to stand? Maybe this side. Detailing a little bit the trip that Paul we see there on the right hand side of the screen you'll see the city of Antioch in Syria and Paul was sent out last time he was spent some time on the island of Cyprus he then went to Pamphylia and Perga finally going northward to Antioch in the region of Pisidia encountering resistance but more importantly, also people coming to faith for the first time hearing this good news of the gospel. And this is where we pick up in Acts 14. 
And so we're going to run through the rest of his missionary journey, and then we're going to take some of the principles that we want to learn from Paul and apply it to our life today. So without reading the whole text again, you can keep the map up there for now, Tuki. Let's recap Paul's journey. We see in Iconium, the first thing that Paul did as they reached the city they went to the Jewish synagogue where people were already speaking about religious things and they started to preach the gospel. (coughs) And it's interesting, the text says that many Jews and Greeks came to faith. And as this side hustle sect, according to them, was growing, namely Christianity, the Jews became jealous because people were turning away from the Jewish faith to the lordship of Jesus. And so they were losing people from their club, probably even losing income because people weren't bringing money and offerings to the synagogue anymore. And so what these Jews then did is they stirred up the people saying, these aren't the crowd that we want. These aren't the type of people that we want in our city. And so the resistance started. People were divided. On the one hand, you had people supporting the apostles and this message of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, people siding with the Jewish leaders. So much so that we see that an attempt was made on the life of Paul and Barnabas. They wanted to stone these guys. And that's a pretty serious, horrific death. And by God's grace, they came to hear of it and they fled the city and they went to the next one, which was Lystra and Derbe. It's interesting, the first thing that they did as they entered the cities of Lystra and Derby wasn't, hey, we need to lead, lay low. We almost lost our lives back there. We just survived an asset, uh, what's the word? I can't say it right now. Assa- what's it? Assassination. I was like, I can't say it right now. It just deluded me. We just survived an assassination. Oh, I can't say it. <laughs> they wanted to kill us. <laughs> See, now you guys are awake again. That's good. But they didn't lay low. The first thing that they started to do was to preach the gospel again. And the same thing happened. Some people came to faith. And it's interesting, at the city of Lystra, where they were right now, we see that a guy was crippled from birth. And that's an important detail, meaning that it wasn't, he was already old. So there's no way by natural causes that he would be able to heal himself. He already saw all the physicians, all the doctors. No one could heal this guy. And yet, Paul looked at him and he was healed by the word of Paul. That had a massive impact in the city, super religious city. So much so, they were speaking in another language that Paul and Barnabas couldn't understand, that they were yelling out, It is Zeus and his messenger Hermes that came to dwell with us. Let's sacrifice to these guys. Paul and Barnabas were like, probably, what's going on right now? Until they pulled out the bull that they wanted to sacrifice to them. And you could see the reaction from Paul and Barnabas, realizing that the guys aren't getting it. They somehow misconstrued the message, thinking that they had the power to heal this man, rather that they were merely instruments in God's hands through which God worked to heal this man. They were but messengers of the true gospel. (coughs) And by many words, they tried to convince the people. And the text says they could scarcely contain the city from sacrificing to them as gods. But then, as always, I almost want to say those pesky Jews. (laughs) 
but it, it sounds wrong saying it that way. But the Jews heard of it. Not which Jews? The Jews from the neighboring city Iconium, where they just came from. And so they went to Lystra and Derbe. Not satisfied that Paul and Barnabas was now spreading the gospel in these neighboring cities. They also came and started riling up the crowd against Paul and Barnabas. Isn't it interesting? We need a pause here, and we'll get back to this later, but the fickleness of people. The one day they were sacrificing or trying to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, calling them gods. But when they didn't fit their picture, they stoned them. Barnabas, it looks like, eluded this, but Paul was stoned. Guys, that's a horrific death. Being stoned, it means you put in the middle of a pit and people surround you, gathering rocks, different sizes, and they throw you until you're dead. And then often what happens at the end of that, someone would take a big rock to crush your skull. As they were stoning Paul, they presumed that he was dead. This was no light beating that Paul received. Later on, the disciples, the brothers, gathered around him. I don't know why. Maybe it was to go and bury him. But we see that Paul was still alive, and he got up and he entered the city again. The next day, they went to Derbe. Apostles didn't have horses. Derby is 90 kilometers away from Lystra. Paul was basically dead. And the next morning they got up and they walked to the next city. Why? To preach the gospel. We, we gloss over these pages, but I wonder what that journey must have been like for Paul. I'm sure they, they've had to, had to carry him the first part of the journey or something. I wonder what was going through his mind as he's heading towards another city. What is waiting for me? How are the people going to respond to this message now? Is this even worth it? What am I doing with my life? I've got a great education back in Jerusalem. I've got great heritage. But we see as they enter Derby, the same things happened. They preached the gospel. Some people believed and others opposed. And then we see after which they started to return the same way that they came. As they went back to the cities, they strengthened and encouraged the disciples. They went back to the place where Paul almost died. They went back to the city where they narrowly escaped death as well, when an attempt was made both on the life of Paul and Barnabas. Going back, still preaching the gospel, still encouraging the church, finally going to Pamphylia and setting sail back to the city of Antioch. The first thing that they did as they came back to the church that commissioned them many months ago, they gathered the whole church together and they gave a report of all that God had done through them. And they said and they rejoiced that God had opened a door to the Gentiles. And this is a great story. It's great for us to see the drive of Paul. It's great for us to see the evangelistic strategies that Paul applied. But maybe we're sitting here this morning and saying, this is great, but how is this going to help us? 
how does this have any bearing in our context here today? I would love to do what Paul did, but we don't have any synagogues that I think that would allow us to go in there and preach the word of God. It's difficult for us to imagine, am I supposed to just leave my job and also walk from city to city preaching the gospel in every corner? How do we take the message and the strategy of what Paul has done right now and apply it to our lives, especially if we're not in full-time ministry? There's something that drove Paul to, did, to do what he did. What should we glean from this today? Well, maybe what we need is not to move away from what Paul did, but actually we need to see a little bit more perspective. What Paul definitely did do, and we're only seeing the highlight reel, is have a lot of planning going to his evangelism, a lot of strategy, a lot of prayer, a lot of people around him thinking and planning how we can reach people in a particular way. And so what we need as a church is perspective. How can we reach the world that God has placed us in? God gave a unique role to the Apostle Paul. And the question that we've got to ask this morning is, what role did God give us, if any? Or are we simply placing this on the apostleship of Paul or on those that are in full-time ministry or on Connor? We've got this one or two individuals that are doing the Lord's work and evangelism because they have time and opportunity and space. But for the rest of us, are we really also commissioned by God to do His work? And so maybe, instead of having the missionary journey of Paul on the screen, what we should have is rather the missionary journey of Red Door. And so, if you look at the next map, This is maybe the map that we need. We all have a world that God has placed us in. We all have this missionary journey that we're on. We all have this sending church, not the city of Antioch, but we all have Red Door. And very close to Red Door, you've got your own family that you're in that God has already sent you to. And we can see that he sent you not only to your family, but to, to your neighbors. And if you're Zane, he sent you on the N3 highway towards your work. At your workspace, you've got colleagues and people around you, but you don't only work, you've got friends as well that you spend time with. And with those friends, you guys have certain hobbies that you guys do. Maybe you've got drama club or there's book club or you guys play golf or you run together or you cycle together. And not only that, but some of you also go to a gym. I don't know why, but you go to a gym <laughs> for Instagram or something. Kia will help you afterwards to know what you should do at the gym. It's not just for the smoothies. And so without do, realizing it, without thinking where we want to go one day, one of the big goals that we do want to reach, God has already placed you in a sphere of possibilities and people. <coughs> Whether it's going to school, whether it's going to class, God has placed you on a road in so many different of circles that people that you're already seeing, already meeting, and a wide variety and spectrum of people. Within these circles, you have Christians that need encouragement that you need to speak to. Within these circles, you have 
Christians that have grown cold in the faith that need to be fanned into flame. Within this circle, you have people that grew up in a Christian home, but they've drifted away from the church. Within these circles, you have people that actually know a lot about the religion of Christianity, but they've never heard about the gospel, the message of Jesus. Within this circle, you've got people who actually don't even know anything about Christianity. There's some stigmas that they know about the church, but that's all they know. And within these circles, there is you. God has uniquely placed you in an environment where you have been gifted to be able to reach these people. And often we think, but with what and how? The what God has already taken care of. He's given you the message. It's the gospel. He's given you the people. It's your environment already. He's given you the power. It's his Holy Spirit. He's given you the church or, or the support. It's the church. God has already given us everything that we need to reach our environment. One thing that Connor alluded to as well, what has God also given us? Context. We grew up in this context. We actually understand people. We know their hopes and their dreams and their fears. There's a way that we can relate to people as well and connect the gospel in a particular way. It's interesting when Paul came to the one city, he said, the goodness that God gives to you guys, the way that it rains, the crops that you give, this is a sign of God that there is a God out there that you need to worship. God connects, or Paul connected their worldview with the gospel. So it's not the what that we sometimes struggle with. We know what we're supposed to do. It's the how. I think a lot of us genuinely do want to share this message. We genuinely do want to connect with people, but how do we do it? Well, family, that's why at Red Door Church we have something called missional communities. And this is something that we'll be spending some time with in our various missional communities over the next couple of months where we help one another identify not only the areas but how we can share this gospel. Remember, we're just getting the highlight reel that Paul. This happened over many months. And we've got time to build relationships with people. We've got time to apply wisdom to different situations, how we can share the gospel. And so we're definitely going to spend some time in our missional communities. But three things. Three things that I want us to notice out of this text this morning of how we can reach our neighbors with the good news of Jesus. The one is Paul's main focus on his journey. Two, what characteristic was always present when Paul was sharing, or uh, uh, when Paul was on his journey, and three, what are the things that Paul celebrated? And so that's not going to give us all the detail this morning on how we're going to do that. There's no way that we've got time. But that's why we have our missional communities. So this is just a kickstart. This is the big categories to kickstart those conversations within our missional communities of how we can reach our friends, family, and neighbors. So number one, Paul's main focus. It's pretty clear as you read, read the text, what was Paul's main fo focus? It wasn't how many people got saved. It wasn't how many churches got planted. It wasn't how many people were supporting him. Paul had one singular focus, and it was the message of the gospel. Paul was single-mindedly 
tasked with preaching the gospel wherever he went and whenever he went somewhere. Paul believed that it was through the message of the gospel that he had the lens to understand the world that he was living in and that the message of the gospel was the one thing that his audience needed to hear. We have many problems in the world, in South Africa, and the people around us, but the singular thing that we need to realize this morning is that the number one need that people have is to hear the message of Jesus. That's the one thing that they need to hear from us. The one main focus that we need to have in front of our eyes is to understand the importance of the message of the gospel. Not saying thereby that other things aren't important, looking after people materially, emotionally, psychologically, those things are really important. But everyone's number one need in this world is the message of the gospel. Not only was Paul prepared to die for this message, but when people were unsuccessful in killing him, he returned as soon as possible to preach this message. This was what Paul was about. And so even before we get to strategies and contexts and relationships and how do I do this in my workplace, how do I do this in my family relationships, we need to recognize the primacy of the gospel message because it will influence the way that we view the world and the way that we view ourselves. It should be in every fiber of our being. And so the way that we keep the gospel primary as we want to share it for other people is the way that we share it to ourselves every day. And so ask yourself the question, what is your biggest challenge at the moment? Yes, you've got financial, maybe social, maybe academic challenges facing you right now. But what is your biggest need? Your biggest need right now is to move closer to Christ. And that's true in every situation. And the more that we believe that, the more we can sort of apply it in our relationships and our vocation and every area of our life. And the more we apply it for ourselves, the more natural it becomes and the way that we not only shine it to other people, but share it with other people as well. Once the gospel becomes our main focus, it influences the way that we live, so that we are not just sharing the gospel message, we are actually living differently. And as we'll discuss later in our missional communities, it's by living differently that it's not the content of the gospel, but it gives us opportunity to share the gospel. Chatting yesterday with someone, by just applying gospel principles in their workplace, it gave them greater influence over people around them where they were put in charge of more people, and now suddenly he's got greater scope to share the gospel. It didn't happen a year ago. It actually took time. But it's phenomenal in clinging to the gospel message, how it didn't even initially give you that opportunity to share the gospel, but by living it out and believing in the principles of the gospel, it gave him later authority to share the gospel with people as well and look after people and actually make a difference in the place that he works. One of the best ways that we share the gospel message is by sharing how it changes our own life. By sharing how Jesus is the hero in your life story. And so family, we're going to double click on this in our missional communities. How can we share ourselves? 
How can we share our stories? How can we identify some of these relationships where we can already start sharing the good news of Jesus? Number one, that was Paul main, Paul's main focus. Number two, the characteristic of Paul's journeys. Something that is very important for us to note is we embark on our own missionary journeys wherever and however God is sending us is to see what was always present as Paul was sharing this. We see that there always were people that were accepting of this message, but always there were opposition. There were people that just wanted to shoot him down. There were people that either out of envy of his ministry or just didn't buy what he was selling and would turn away. It's crazy to see how the Jews not only opposed Paul, but they actually went out of their way to silence him, to make an attempt on his life. Family, if we start sharing the gospel and if we start sharing ourselves, you need to recognize this will happen to us as well. Maybe not as direct as with Paul, hopefully not. But you will encounter opposition for preaching the gospel. And maybe not even for preaching it verbally. Just for being different. Just for holding on to these principles. You will stand out in the crowd and people won't like that. If it's a corporate setting, someone will get out to get your job. Someone will slander you. They not, might not even know that you're a Christian, but just because you're different, people will want to drag us down. This is both because of the sinfulness of people and because of the works of Satan. And so family, rather than being despondent when this happened, we should expect it. We should expect this within our family circles. We should expect this within our friendship circles. That not everyone is going to be accepting of this. But what we should do is apply the gospel lens. It's actually not me that they're rejecting. They do not want to bow the knee to our Lord and Jesus Christ. Often what we do is we want to make this personal. <laughs> and that's why we don't want to share the gospel. We've got this fear of rejection of what people will think of us. And so that's why as we start with the gospel of our main focus, we get rooted in the gospel. We find our identity in it so that as the backlash comes, and it will come, we're able to actually stand against it. We're actually not surprised. We're actually in those moments still able to give grace and forgiveness. Calling out when things are wrong, don't get me wrong. Calling sin, sin. But being able to forgive and being able not to be totally destroyed when we hear these stories about ours. When we hear the slander. When we see how people are just being people. We need our security in the message of Jesus. It will still hurt. It will still suck and be wrong. But it should not deter us from our main focus. Family, lastly, what, are, what is the thing that Paul celebrated? From an objective view, um, it might seem like Paul's missionary journey was a failure. I wonder if we got some TBN good televangelists that didn't know it was Paul, but to, Paul told them his story of how he went and what happened to them, if they would view his journey as a success, success. I don't think so. They would tell him more people opposed than actually joined your crowd. You don't have a mega church. 
Where's your Mercedes? You're still walking. <laughs> Not everyone's like that, son. Um, it's like everywhere you went, you got a position. In the one city, people were confused. They thought you were the God. And you think it was a success. They tried to kill you. They almost succeeded. I want to try the word as well. They, they almost assassinated you. Yes, I got it right. And yet, some believed. And so when Paul got back to the church in Antioch and he gathered the elders together, he told them all that God had done through them and that God had opened a door to the Gentiles. That's phenomenal. It's phenomenal the per, uh, perspective of Paul that no matter the opposition, no matter what happened to him personally, no matter what the fruit of the ministry, at least there were some that were saved, that God opened a door. Family, how do we measure success? How, how do we know that the steps that we're taking as Christians actually matter so that if we breathe our last today, God is still working? Well, I think it's this. It's not the measure of success that the world would want to impose on us. If we need to measure success at Red Door Church, is it only when we reach 100, 150, 200? How do you measure success in your own Christian life? Is it only when scores of people are being discipled? Actually, family, I think it is. God revealing himself in the ordinary things. The supernatural miracles of God happen in the ordinary, natural relationships that we build every day. Paul's measure of success is that that door was open for some and that some heard the gospel. I promise you it didn't look so attractive from the outside. At that time, the measure of success must have been difficult. Paul must have been discouraged. Yet, God was saving some. And so family, before we look too far ahead, do not underestimate what God is doing right here, right now at Red Door Church. Not because of the church, but because of the relationships that you have right now. Do not undervalue the discipleship relationship that you're in right now. God is working the miraculous right now. He's not waiting for some big sign, one big rejuvenation event, miracle to finally show that God is working. It's in the relationships and in the maturing relationship that we're living and breathing as a church right now that God is working. And us trying to figure out how do we love one another? <laughs> how do we actually function as a family? How do we actually love the city? How do we actually have conversations just with my one friend? And if I can have two people for 2022 that I can really build a close relationship with, really start sharing the gospel and see some fruit in their life that is God working and not us. And so what we should start doing is start celebrating the mundane. Thank you, God, that people are willing to serve. Thank you, God, that people are willing to share themselves in their homes. Thank you, God, that people are willing to be 
in discipleship relationships, discipling one another and actually inviting others in. Thank you, God, that groups are willing to multiply for going how easy it is to actually just stay insular, but now also looking towards the outside. God is working. Family, it's with this that we can rest assured that if today were to be our final step, that not only God has worked, that he is working, but that he is the one that will fulfill the mission and his promise for his glory. Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning um, as we look at this monumental journey that Paul took and the great challenges and tribulation that he had to face as an apostle, as a disciple, but as a person, wrestling with his own faith, wrestling with the fact of where is God in all of this, wrestling with the fact of is this message is true if not everyone responds. And Father, we're wrestling with the same thing as we're just looking at the chaos of the world around us. How do we know that you're at work? How do we know that the steps that we're taking as a church, as a community, as Christians, that this is actually breaking forward ground, that we're walking towards something? And Father, help us then to realize it's for the mere fact that we can take a step that we know that you are working. Everything that is happening right now is because of your grace not because of our own wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And so, Father, we want to be a church that celebrates that. We want to be a church that's so single-mindedly focused on the gospel message so that as we encounter opposition and confusion and frustration from people, Father, we would not become despondent, but rather that we would become deeper plugged into your word. I now need the gospel more than I needed it yesterday. And tomorrow I will need it even more. Help us not just to be disciples, but disciple makers, continually sharing the word of the gospel and ourselves. All of this happens only because of your spirit, only because of your love and your grace. And for that, we thank you. Amen.